This is Songwriter, the podcast that turns stories into songs. My name is Ben Arthur. Today, we have a brand new song from Chris Pierce, but first, the story that inspires the song. I'm thrilled to share an excerpt from Questlove's extraordinary book, Music is History, a recontextualization and reconsideration of modern American history through the lens of music. In the book, Questlove tells the story of Bill Withers and relates a personal interaction with the man himself that, as you will hear, was incredibly characteristic of Bill Withers. This is Questlove, reading from Music is History. Withers was my first true idol. I think of his history as intertwined with mine somehow. His debut album, Just As I Am, came out in May of 1971, four months after I was born. When I first heard his songs, either on the radio or from my dad's record collection, I knew I was hearing something different. His music and his vocals were as down-to-earth as Earth itself. Too often, Black artists get classified as otherworldly talents who are almost alien in their strangeness, like Michael Jackson or Prince, or gritty up-from-the-streets hustlers who are barely overcoming animal instincts. See, hip-hop. Withers was something else. A Black everyman. A superb, sensitive, soulful singer-songwriter who understood and was able to communicate simple truths about ordinary lives. When people talk about the singer-songwriter era, they usually mean white acts. But Withers was doing the same thing, singing and songwriting. His biggest hits, Ain't No Sunshine, Lean On Me, Use Me, found him writing about human emotions with a directness that was simple without being simplistic. When I've spoken or written about him, I have called him the Black Springsteen, which is both a glib joke but also somewhat true. Look at the cover art from his first album. He's holding the lunchbox he took to work at the mechanic's job he didn't give up even after he was signed. Bill's studio albums were great. I'll even go to bat for the late ones that no one, including Bill himself, liked. But let's talk about his live album. It's called Live at Carnegie Hall. It's a document of a show there from late 1972. Though it wouldn't be released until the following April, Though it's not usually mentioned amongst the best live albums in soul music history, it should be. Withers delivers intense versions of his hits, sometimes leading into the songs with extended commentary, called Raps in the liner notes. I memorized that record down to the last second. To this day, I can recreate the two-and-a-half-minute spoken intro that leads into Grandma's hands. Brief digression. I want to pause here for a moment and talk about live records and the degree to which they represent real history. Now, when I was a kid, I assumed that they were just documents of actual events. A concert happens. Some people are running tape. The tape is released as an album. Done and done. But as I've gotten older and learned how many live albums were sweetened in the studio, applause added, instrumental parts replayed, vocals resung, it's made me kind of cynical or at least driven in a level of skepticism. What does it mean to deliver a historical record that isn't exactly that? And should I take the same approach to documentary film footage or to photographs? When the past comes to us in the form of so-called primary sources, 
Should we accept them on their own terms? This is a question I can't fully answer, but my partial answer is that we should not. The process of remaking the past begins the second it becomes the past. One of the highlights of the Live Withers record is I Can't Write Left-Handed. There's no shortage of anti-Vietnam music, black or white. You've heard Edwin Starr's War, of course, covered by the non-black Springsteen, and Jimi Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner and Jimmy Cliff's Vietnam. And there are others that you should hear if you haven't. Roy C.'s Open Letter to the President, Frida Payne's Bring the Boys Home, The Dells, Does Anybody Know I'm Here? Even Funkadelic's peerlessly creepy March to the Witch's Castle. Withers' protest song, Like Withers, takes a very specific tone. Intimate, subtle, and devastating. Telling the story of a young soldier who suffered an injury on a field of battle. The intro rap notes that between the time the song was recorded and released, the war had officially ended, though it would drag on through reality for a few more years. It's not clear to me if Withers was working on it for an official album release or not, but it didn't get one. It is clear that the song is from the perspective of an injured soldier. Just before he starts singing, Bill says, maybe he cried, maybe he said, and then the song burst out. I don't want, or maybe even need, to do a deep reading of the song, but it's filled with honest, unpretentious wisdom, unsurprisingly, and maybe surprisingly, manages to compress so much of the Black experience of serving in the armed forces into a few brief moments. The young soldier in the song asks the reverend to pray for him and tells the family lawyer to get a deferment for his younger brother. And it ends with a consequence that might seem trivial compared to what people have seen in movies. Minds blown up with men atop them, endless rat attack gunfire, helicopters brought down. But that is just as crippling in its own way because it interferes with his writing a letter to his mother, a shot-up right shoulder. After the death of Jay Dilla in 2006, I became less interested in producing artists other than The Roots. Life is short. At the same time, I became more aware that I had a list of production projects that, if I had never did it, I'd regret it forever until the end of life and beyond. Bill was at the top of that list. He hadn't recorded since the mid-80s, and his recording career didn't end on a high note. His last record, Watching You, Watching Me, was a source of frustration for both him and the label. I approached Withers, or at least approached people who knew him, and word came back that he wasn't interested. While I waited for Bill to change his mind, I did a record with Al Green that won three Grammys. That would hook Bill, right? It didn't. I did the same thing with Booker T. Again, he knew Bill and produced his first record back in 1971. Again, Grammy. Again, no Bill. My last-ditch attempt revolved around I Can't Write Left-Handed. It's a song that always cuts deeper than some of the others for me because it never made its way onto a regular album. Maybe because its message is still sadly relevant. The Roots recorded it with John Legend for Wake Up in 2010. John swapped out Bill's original intro, obviously, with a new one that ruminated on the persistence of war and the consistent importance of songs like I Can't Write Left-Handed. I think what we were trying to say was that certain protest songs are perennials because human behavior doesn't change from generation to generation. You could say that they are protesting in vain, but 
You could also say that they're simply documenting the way that people behave no matter when and where you touch down in history. People couldn't write left-handed in Vietnam, and they couldn't write left-handed in the Gulf War, and they couldn't write left-handed in the Civil War, and they couldn't write left-handed 2,200 years ago in the Chu Han contention. And the relationship between soldiers, especially minority soldiers, and countries, the relationship between battles waged in faraway places and the failed barrios and ghettos closer to home has continued through time and through song. Our cover brought him out of hiding, or at least hiding from us. Bill Russell, one of Bill Withers' friends, they must have met in the Bill Club, heard our version in a Starbucks, inquired after us, and passed the intelligence along to Bill Withers. Who's this, he said. Then Bill Withers got his hand on our version and wrote us an amazing email. And all that culminated with a show we did in Los Angeles where he came out to see us play. Afterwards, backstage, he appeared. He was in his early 70s then, but he looked like he was 10 years younger. He was quiet at first, but then he started to tell us stories. The whole time, I was thinking only two things. One, this is Bill Withers right in front of me. And two, this is Bill Withers, who has thus far resisted working with me. He paused between stories. I rushed in. I told him how important his work had been and how important it still was. I told him that it was wrong of him to let his work pass into history because there was a danger that he would pass out of history. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I made my pitch. He watched the pitch come in. He was quiet, poised, careful. No, he said. And now for the song written in response. My name is Chris Pierce. I'm a songwriter. I love making records. I love touring. Uh, and that's why I continue to do it to this day. When I was 15, uh, many, many years ago, uh, I was diagnosed with otosclerosis, and it, it hit me really like a ton of bricks. I was in school, uh, started moving closer and closer to the front of the classroom uh, over the course of a, a week or two, and eventually I couldn't hear the teacher front row. But then I was diagnosed with this hereditary condition. I was diagnosed, and really I had a choice of whether to have a surgery, to try a surgery or not. Uh, and through the support of family and friends, I ended up doing the surgery and regaining about 70% in my right ear. And I just took off running from there uh, and got back into music, learned everything over again, uh, started playing clubs, uh, eventually met Seal, uh, ended up on the road opening for him. Uh, and the rest is kind of history. I didn't actually attempt to have my left ear uh, operated on until just a few years ago, and the surgery didn't take. I haven't let uh, that define what I do and the spirit of what I do. In a lot of ways, I feel like what I can't hear even makes what I do more powerful because it makes me dig deeper and, and reach in a different way than I would if I had perfect hearing. Yeah, I've got 70% uh, in, in my right and, and nothing in my left. What my first reaction was, uh, wow, Questlove's kind of experience and, and the way he thinks about uh, Bill Withers is, is so similar to mine. 
some of the some of his thoughts and and some of the songs that stuck out to him like uh, I can't write left-handed it was almost like listening to myself talk about it <laughs> talk about uh, Bill Withers and so I was immediately just drawn in to the story and uh, wanted to hear more Quest Love is so eloquent and soulful and to the point with his thoughts his directiveness is is really powerful I was really struck by just how much of the spirit of Bill Withers is in that story. I immediately uh, sat down and jotted down notes and started thinking about just who the spirit of Bill Withers is to me and how I was affected by him from not only from a young age, but and just knowing his records, but to meeting him and actually getting getting a little bit of a piece of knowing the man. I mean, here's this cat in a t-shirt with a lunch pail, just as Questlove was talking about. It reminded me of the folks that I'm from. It reminded me of my dad. It reminded me of my uncle Buddy, my uncle brother, my uncle Harold. It's the laid-back black dudes that were hard workers and educated and funny and full of laughter and just the kind of folks that that you know they they were who they were with no apologies and just what you got you got and that's what immediately struck me and i went hey this guy is like my my folks my my people when my godmother gave me a guitar when i was just a kid bill withers songs were the first ones i tried to pick up Mary had a little lamb for a lot of kids. A row, row, row your boat. Lean on me. You know, was was that was it? That was the song I wanted to sing. That was the song I wanted to learn. That was the song I wanted to play. That was the song I wanted to sing with my parents. That was it. First time I ran into into Bill was was at the Roxy Theater in Los Angeles in Hollywood. I believe that there was an article in Billboard magazine about some of the folks out there in the scene that Bill had had influenced. And I believe they mentioned uh, myself and Raul Madone and uh, John Mayer. So Bill lived not far from the Roxy Theater, and he came down with, with his wife and daughter to the show. And I was nervous as heck. <laughs> I actually had a Bill Withers set to play. I think I, think I was going to play Ain't No Sunshine. I chickened out. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I was like, oh, man. And and I just kept looking out thinking, man, I don't know. This is something that doesn't feel right about this. And afterwards, I got called over to meet Bill. And we were we were talking for a little while. And I said, you know, I have to tell you, I, I was going to play one of your songs. And I just couldn't do it, man. I, I, I kind of chickened out. I just it didn't feel right. And he's like, man, you know what? No offense. No offense, you know, but uh, I, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, whoa. And he said, you know, I just have heard so many versions of my of my music and and uh, I'm just glad you stuck to what 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 you wrote and what you know and what you know best. I can imagine uh writing a song like that and hearing so many versions of it over the years from the feeling I always got from Bill was that 
you know, things were, things were kind of, you know, once something was done, it was done. And, uh, and it's like, okay, there's only so many times you can stir that pot of soup. The flavor is not going to change. And you, you might mess it up at the end of the day if you keep it on the, on the stove. Afterwards, we took some photos outside of the Roxy. I still have them. And then over the years, uh, we had a couple a couple other meetings at uh, functions. And uh, Corey, his daughter, and I played a lot of uh, songwriter nights together uh, in L.A. Uh, so we got to know each other as well. We always talked about the natural evolution of things and evolving from one thing to another. And he, he talked about this, he, he used the term odd odyssey, uh, that he was on this odd odyssey. It was a kind of a, an acceptance of the fact that my experience is my experience and it's unique. And it's kind of like the, the folks that say, you do you, I'll do me. <laughs> I, find, I find it encouraging that, that uh, Somebody like Bill Withers, uh, who had such a tremendous uh, impact on on American music and, and music around the world, could say, "Okay, that's it. I'm I'm not going to do this anymore, and I'm not so so keen on hearing other people do what I did anymore. I'm gonna let it be what it is, and it almost makes it even more powerful and more of an impact to me." And, and I've thought about that, you know, many times over the years. Anything good that happens is is such a uh, uh, such a gift, and that uh, that it, it can be taken away at any time. And when it does, and if it does, you have to be soulfully prepared to go on with the rest of your life. That way, things aren't so devastating. You know, it's like it's like folks get so caught up in, in a song or a or a tour or a record deal that oh my, oh it's so devastating when it's taken away. Well, no, not if you accept that this is part of your path and this is just the way it's supposed to be. And I think that's that that was, if I had to guess, that was part of Bill's uh, philosophy. I have this album, Just As I Am, and there isn't a song called Just As I Am. And I thought, you know, the most important thing that I got out of uh, out of the Questlove's uh, story was just what we were just talking about, that this acceptance that I am just who I am. And with no apologies, either you accept it or you don't, and that's all right. With that, I felt like uh, I wanted to put that in the song, and I wanted that to be the message of the song. At the same time, I thought that I'd include in the verses just a little bit of of who I know Bill to be and where he's from. And so that's what I wanted to do with the with the song. I wanted to give a little bit of backstory of just kind of general things that I know about uh, Bill Withers and his life and how he grew up. I saw a lot of my dad and Bill um, and just kind of that generation of, of black men and, uh, in America. And so I wanted to kind of just get straight to the straight to the point of 
where the roots are, kind of how uh, how he'd come to this this place where he'd be able to just really accept himself and, and just be willing to tell others, you know, just accept me just who, just as I am. Uh, I didn't want it to just be a history lesson line for line, just about things that I knew about Bill. I wanted to actually draw from uh, some similarities as well. That way, uh, I could really sing it with conviction uh, because I've, I've drawn from personal uh, experiences as well. Uh, no bridge, uh, but a kind of a little breakdown, which I know uh, a lot of the great Bill Withers songs had. Kind of little little pieces of where you could just feel the breakdown. We're almost like during the breakdown, the same lyrics and the same chorus might mean something else to you. I wanted to uh, to really uh, pay homage to to lean on me. Uh, and so it's in the key of C, uh, and I wanted it to be like a similar kind of tempo uh, and cadence. You know, did a quick listen, and I kind of started nodding my head when I when I was working on uh, on the kind of the cadence and tempo of, of the thing. I wanted I wanted there to be uh, some background vocals, so I did some. For me, I really wanted to have a, the laid back, direct, simple, yet profoundly. Uh, complex way that Bill had uh, to do things, like to take some of the most complex things, like I'm going to tell you all about my life in three minutes and let you know what my life philosophy is. Take me just as I am. You know, it's similar to lean on me, you know, and then uh, not how you wish I'd be. And that's kind of, you know, the line. If, if I just say no, it ain't personal. I do dip. But, but it's on the chorus, not on the verse. Sometimes in your... And I had a lot of fun with that, trying to, to, to make it uh, uh, really respectfully pay homage without taking away from anything or redoing anything exactly, because I knew Bill would want me to do that. <laughs> but to me, it, it, has, it has the vibe and flavor of, of, of the story and the spirit. This is Chris Pierce with his song, Just As I Am. One, two, three, four. Take me just as I am, just as I am. Not how you'd wish I'd be. And if I say no, it ain't personal. What's right for you ain't for me. Hardworking folks over in West Virginia Made me who I am today Taught me how to rise beyond the circumstances Gave me all the chances I could take Down to earth but with a strong opinion Take on the world but not in vain Simple truths about the joy and devastation And the nation holding pain Take me just as I am just as I am, not how you'd wish I'd be. And if I say no, it ain't personal. What's right for you ain't for me. After years serving in the Navy, music entered my life late. 
Never claimed to be an expert in the journey Now I've been here learning every day It never mattered who didn't listen Wasn't writing songs for fame Different ways to deal with our emotions Treading in the ocean all the same Take me just as I am Just as I am Not how you'd wish I'd be And if I say no Just As I Am by Chris Pierce. The excerpt of Questlove's Music is History is courtesy of Recorded Books. The full audiobook can be found wherever you buy, rent, or stream audiobooks. Audible, audiobooks.com, the Apple Store, and elsewhere. Special thanks to Alexis, Laura, and the whole team for helping me put this together. Chris Pierce's new album is called All Who Will, and the single is 45 Jukebox. Get it wherever music streams. The next and last episode of Season 4 will feature a conversation with Blake Lemoyne about Lambda and a song written in response by Jonathan Mann. Songwriter is 100% independently produced by Hook and Crook. If you want to support the musicians and the producer, please consider getting a premium subscription from Apple or Spotify, or just go to songwriterpodcast.com forward slash donate. You can always get early access to the Songwriter Podcast at Paste. Just go to pastemagazine.com and search for Ben Arthur. And while you're there, check out the Paste Podcast or get it wherever you get yours. Finally, thanks, as always, to Rob Reinhardt and Acoustic Cafe. Acoustic Cafe.